Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Cup of Joe. I'm here with Peyton again. Peyton, say what's up. What's up? I decided to bring him back and we are back for week two. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the second weekend of the tourney almost finished up. We're going to talk some women's hoops, the um, UConn point guard Paige Buckets. Um, she is a walking bucket, but we'll get into that later. Um, we talk about the disappointment of the Ohio State basketball season, some winners and losers of the NBA trade deadline, and the officiating controversy um, at the end of the Baylor-UConn game last night. So um, we'll just jump in here. Um, we'll talk about the second weekend of the tourney. Uh, Peyton, do you have any opening thoughts about the second weekend of the tourney? Any uh, like big takeaways? I mean, nothing crazy. Uh, it's just... I love this time of year. Mm-hmm. It 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 it's it's lived up to everything that we waited a De- year for. Definitely, it was perfect, and we had to wait a whole year. So, uh, first game that I'll get into. Uh, any thoughts on Gonzaga this weekend? Uh, they played a night. They looked pretty good against Creighton. They're just so. Again, we talked about this last week, but. They're just so balanced with Kispert and Suggs, and they have this one dude, uh, Ayayi. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched him. He yeah. uh, he hit some big threes for them this weekend. And, you know, at the beginning, I thought Creighton could hang with them, but they really couldn't. I mean, yep. Gonzaga is almost just, they're too well coached, they're too big, and I feel like this is their tournament to lose pretty much. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I've got the stats pulled up here. Timmy with 22, Kispert with 12, Nemhard with 17. Mm-hmm. And all the way down there at the bottom there, you got Jalen Suggs is only nine, nine points, five rebounds and six assists. So he was still very involved. but Still very active. I mean, when you've got other guys stepping, uh, stepping up, Nemhard, Ayayi that you just mentioned. They're deep, man. Yeah, they are. Uh, they, they're deep. I have a hard time believing that uh, anybody will beat them. Honestly, gonna beat them. I they they are definitely the overwhelming favorite, and um, they should be because uh, Mark Few has done a great job with that program, and uh, you know he deserves all the credit in the world. He deserves to be up there with like Shashetsky and Roy Williams and Bill Self as best coaches in the nation. Yeah, and they're gonna take on a tough. USC Trojans team. We'll we'll bounce over to that game. The USC Oregon. Uh, what was that yesterday? Was that yesterday afternoon? Uh, today's afternoon? Tuesday. Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday night. Yeah, they ended up knocking off uh, the Ducks in Eugene, eighty-two sixty-eight. Um, that's an overwhelming win for the Trojans. I know that I mentioned them on last week's show. They were kind of my sleeper pick heading into the uh, the second weekend and. Um, they're still around. They're going to take on a tough Gonzaga team. They're definitely still around. The Mobley brothers are looking insane. Dynamic duo. Um, White and Edie, 22 yeah. and 20. Edie. I mean, that's 42 combined points. That's huge in college basketball. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a big game from them. Uh, it doesn't look like they had really anyone else outside of the starting lineup really make too many waves, I mean. Yeah, Edie, uh, I was watching him, uh, like, and I'm just like, where has this team been? They mm-hmm. must, uh, like, they play on the West Coast. They're, you know, they play, obviously, wait, uh, late games on the West Coast. 
And I just, I'm wondering where this team was all year because it's like they're so balanced. And uh, Peterson, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he hit a couple threes for them, and he's, you know, very valuable for them on defense because yes. he's, like, really tall. So, and they play that zone, and we were talking about in the pre-show, like, it's just an active zone. It's like they get their hands up, and, you know, they deflect passes, yep. and they get turnovers. So, I'm not saying they're going to beat Gonzaga, but Gonzaga's going to have some issues. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And and you mentioned it. They're playing late games over on the West Coast, and mm-hmm. I'm, I've never really been a big uh, stan or advocate for uh, the Pac-12. I know they've had quite a bit of controversy with, um, moving on from their uh, their commissioner with the with the conference and that's been crazy uh, on both football and basketball and mm-hmm. almost canceling the football season and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the Pac twelve's shown up. I mean, yeah, I think the Pac twelve was kind of the weak link coming into the tournament, and they're they are definitely shutting a lot of people up. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, uh, I mean, three teams in the Elite Eight, Big Ten only had one. Uh, ACC might have had zero. I, yeah. Yeah, ACC had zero because Florida State was the last ACC team that was in the tournament, and they lost to Michigan. And we can uh, we can bounce over to that game real quick. Um, Michigan looked very impressive, and I am very impressed with that team. Yep. Af- after the Livers injury, I'm just very, like, I, I was like, when Livers went out, because I think Livers is like, with him and Dickinson, mm-hmm. he's one of their top two players. I think at worst, he's the second best player on the team. And they just have not, you know, they've, they haven't skipped a beat. Like, they've literally right on track. Like, it's like Livers is playing, but they just, they're so deep with, you know, uh, Franz Wagner, uh, Mike Smith. Um, all Brandon these Johns. Brandon Johns. Uh, I think they have a guy, another big. His name is uh, Austin Davis. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are just deep. And Juwan Howard only in his second year because his first year obviously got derailed because of COVID, and yep. they would have been a semi high seed last year if it wasn't for COVID. Yep. But they have just really impressed me, and they're representing the Big Ten. I know it's Michigan and. As Ohio State guys, maybe we shouldn't be rooting for them, but we're rooting for the conference. Yes, um, yes, and I've got those stats pulled up here for the the Michigan Florida State game. An abysmal night from three, three for eleven for Michigan, five for twenty from Florida State. I mean, what a pathetic shooting performance from both teams from deep. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan out-rebounded Florida State by six boards. I know that doesn't really seem like a lot. Uh, Two extra offensive rebounds uh, uh, compared to Florida State. Um, And then I think the last thing to look at is the turnovers and fouls. Yeah. Florida State, 14 turnovers to seven for Michigan. That is just, it's just giving away possession. Definitely. And how do you expect to win games when you're doubling up the other team in turnovers. And then fouls. Florida State with 22 fouls on the game. Yeah. Michigan with 10. Uh, I mean, that's a I, very well-disciplined team. Yeah, that's what I was. That's exactly what I was going to say. That speaks to the discipline of Juwan Howard's team, and they're just very, they're very disciplined. And, you know, in this tournament, you're going to go far if you're well-coached. And if you're well-coached and you have veteran leadership and – Michigan has kind of 
semi both. You know, Hunter Dickinson is a freshman. Yeah, I think Franz Wagner, I'd like to look up his year. You know, I what I think he's a sophomore. Yeah, he's uh Mo Wagner's brother and uh obviously he is living up to that name. He's played very good in this tournament. Um yeah, I think Yeah, I'm looking that up, see what year he is. But um, I could probably look up the Michigan roster real quick. Yeah. But anyways, while you're finding that, we'll jump over to the to the right side of the bracket there. Baylor putting it to Villanova. I know we were texting about it while the game was still going on. It looked yep. like Jay Wright, we talked about it last week, one of the best coaches left in the tournament at the time. Yeah. Um, ends up getting bounced. I mean, they're out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 62-51 defeat um, by the Baylor Bears. And Baylor then knocks off Arkansas. You know, Coach Muss. Yeah. I mean, and Musselman's no slouch. He, no. Uh, he was at Nevada, and he's a, he's a fine coach. Franz Wagner is a sophomore, by the way. Okay, so, great. Um, yeah, you were, you were right on the money with that one. Um, so... Yeah, and I was watching Baylor last night, and I don't know. I got to start paying more attention because, like, they have all kinds of dudes. Like, they have that uh, mayor guy. Yep, and Macy Oteague was clutch to start the game. And they have that one Mitchell guy, and he is quick, man. He is, like, it's it's explosive. They have such a guard-heavy team. I mean, I wasn't really overwhelmed with their forward play. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually meant to text you last night. Uh, but their guards, or uh, excuse me, their forwards get down the floor better than any team I've seen yes. outside of maybe a, a Michigan State team that I, I think I mentioned with you as well. And that Michigan leads... State runs the floor so well, yeah. but their bigs for Baylor were keeping up maybe even better than the guards. Yeah, and that leads to easy dunks, and they got a lot of those last night. Exactly. Um. And it's just like their guards are so fast and they get down the floor and they waste no time at all, no man. Time. It is literally just like they get up and go. And I don't know, like this team was very like, you know, not really under the radar because they were highly ranked all year, but they mm-hmm. didn't finish the year of the greatest. I think they lost in the Big 12 semis to like Kansas State. Yeah. And I think they were expected to win the Big 12. I mean... Like, they just have guys all over the roster, like uh, Jared Butler and Matthew Mayer off the bench, and Massey, uh, is it Massio? Yeah, 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 Massio Teague. Massio Teague. Um, and, like, Davion Mitchell, they just have all these, like, they're just athletes, man, and they're just great basketball players. So, Baylor definitely impressed me, um, and they, they'll play Houston, and right now, if I had to make a pick, I'd probably pick Baylor. I think it'll be a good game because I think the teams are similar in the way they kind of like they, they play. They're, they're fast. They like to get out. They like to push. Yep. So I think that'll be a good yep. Final Four matchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited. And I think I think next we can move on to the, the Oregon State-Houston game. Yep. I think I threw them out last week as a sleeper. I definitely underestimated the Houston Cougars coming out of the American. I did um, too. I, I've i not been a big supporter, like I said, of the Pac-12. And Oregon State didn't live up to it. They were not the team that they have been 
I don't know, the last three rounds, four, also, two, three rounds. Also, Oregon State, uh, their coach, Wayne Tinkle, great name. Great, and, yeah. great name. So, uh, yeah, you can keep going with your thought there. I just thought I'd point that <laughs> out. I had, I had that thought, like, three or four times throughout the game. I'm like, this dude's last name is really Tinkle? Like, yeah. come on, how did the announcers not comment on this? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I, I, I kind of went on a big rant last week with guard Ethan Thompson for Oregon State. Played 36 minutes yesterday. He he was non-existent. He was the game changer in last week's uh, win over uh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Their path was they beat Tennessee, Oklahoma State, and they beat Loyola. Yes, yes. And Eric Thompson was non-existent yesterday. Like I said, 36 minutes, three from 12 from the field, five from eight from the line. I think hey. I I. Specifically stated, he was uh, 15 for 16 last week from the line, only hitting five of the eight from the stripe yesterday. You can look that up, ladies and gentlemen. I think he did say that. Literally commented about the exact same thing, and then he turns around and gives us that performance from the free throw line. Come on, Ethan. So, but, okay, Oregon State was, I don't know if you knew this, but projected to finish last yes, in the in Pac-12. The Pac-12. And they this uh this guy Wayne Tinkle had a shirt that said it, it was like 12th to 16th to 16th. 16th. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And uh, like I was like dang man, like you know, you like it definitely shut some people up. Yeah. And, I like the embrace of it though. Yeah, me too. And he seemed to be a good guy. I think they were shown in an interview either before or after the game where he was really emotional talking to the, the people and was getting really choked up just just talking about the season yeah because like story yeah because like they got hot at the end of the year i think we commented on this like last week but uh they got hot they won the pac-12 tournament and they just turned around and won three games in the ncaa tournament yeah and like they were i mean you know and i didn't pick them over loyola no. like because i respected loyola with uh porter moses their coach uh cameron, cameron Crut- crutwig mm-hmm. yeah mr march cameron crutwig uh but i you know oregon state i think the magic just kind of ran out yesterday and they just ran into a buzzsaw which was houston and yep. Calvin Sampson did a great job. I mean, he's always done a great job, kind of underrated because he plays in the American, mm-hmm. and not as many teams come out of the American as uh, maybe another conference like the Big Ten. ACC, yeah. ACC, yeah. All the Power Five. I think we forgot to mention one of those games on, there on the left side of the bracket, the UCLA-Alabama game. I was going to touch on that. That we- was an exciting game. Uh, what was that, Saturday? Sunday night. Yeah. Sunday night. That was incredible. Game, game of the tournament so far. But uh, we're winding down, so it might be the game of the tournament. Exactly. Um, definitely uh, quite a game. I mean, literally back and forth. Um, great great play by both sides. Um, again, we were talking about in the pre-show, um, that shot by... His last name is Reese. I'm going to look up his first name, but... Anyway. Got to hear Alex Reese. Alex his Reese. His only points of the game. He's a senior, coming off the bench there, mm-hmm. hitting a clutch shot when uh, they needed it. it. Yeah, when they needed it most. Literally, do or die. Yeah, Jaime Hawkes Jr. down the stretch for UCLA was insane. Mm-hmm. They had uh, was that Juzang fell out Johnny. early, yeah. early in the second second uh, 
second half there. Mm-hmm. Tiger Campbell, probably the best hair in the tournament. But maybe the best name in the tournament. Maybe the yeah, definitely. I think we can mark that down without a doubt. Yeah, Tiger's pretty cool. I mean, that is like that is. Um, that is just such a cool name, man. Honestly, and I was like, they said it on the broadcast, and I was like, his name is Tiger? Tiger. Like, I was like, dang. But, uh, again, UCLA, Mick Cronin coming over from UC. Mm-hmm. Uh, very impressive. They, uh, I mean, literally, they they have so many guys all around the team. We talked about Hakez, Juzang, and I remember watching them in the first four against uh, Michigan State on, I think it was a Thursday night before the tournament started. Mm-hmm. And I picked Michigan State. I didn't even pick them to get out of the play-in game because I respected the Big Ten. And, you know, Michigan State um, obviously has a lot of respect because of Izzo. And they battled back. And, you know, Mick Cronin, I like the story. Like, they showed his dad a lot in yeah. the stands. And- I've heard a lot of people talk negatively about that. And I, I'm all about embracing that. I think it had been... A little over a year since Mick had seen his dad because of COVID. Because of COVID, and it's a great, good feel, good feel good story. Yeah, definitely a feel good story there to see his dad, and we'll just touch on this a little bit. But uh, Alabama and the free throw shooting. Yeah, and I think that we can expand on free throw shooting for the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have it pulled up here, but I think I remember Alabama was oh, oh I have it here eleven of twenty five from the free throw line mm-hmm. compared to a 20 for 25 from UCLA. Make your dang free throws, man. <laughs> this is pathetic. Yeah, I mean, they're called free throws for a reason because it's free and you get to stand at the line alone with nobody contesting the shot. I mean, people don't think about this, but like, this can win or lose you a basketball game. And, and Alabama lost this basketball game because they cannot knock down free throws. 11 for 25. That is abysmal. You can go to a fourth grade basketball game and they're shooting better than that. I mean, I definitely agree. Like, I'm reading here just a day ago, Jalen Waddell, who was an Alabama football yes, player, that's right. criticizes Alabama free throw shooting. So other people are taking notice. And, you know, get in the gym, get it fixed, and hopefully it doesn't happen next year for Alabama. Because, you know, it's a shame because they're so well-balanced and they're so well-coached for, like, a silly thing like free throw shooting to yeah. – you know, derail your season. Like, it's just like, get in the gym, work on it, get it right, and, you know, hopefully they learn from this. And it's just a shame that their season came down to free throws and they just couldn't convert. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it was nice because I think it was Herb Jones missed those those two uh, free throws to put, really put Alabama in a tough spot there late, late in the second half. Luckily, uh, Reese knocks down those shot, uh, that clutch shot there mm-hmm. um, to take him into overtime. Unfortunately, Alabama doesn't pull it out. I'm not a big UCLA guy, so I think I might have been rooting for Alabama. Yeah. Um, but I was... all in all, it was an exciting game. Maybe one of the games of the tournament. Maybe the best game of the tournament. I don't know. Yeah, we got to wait and see. We got a couple more games to go. But, um, I mean, I'm reading here, man. I put in Alabama free throw shooting just in a Google browser. 
All these articles come up. Poor free throw shooting, yep. doomed Alabama. UCLA, Alabama combined for March's most magical upset yet. Alabama makes wrong kind of history and lost to UCLA. So uh, other people are taking notice, and it's a shame that they couldn't get it right. And I would have liked to see Alabama go deeper in the tournament because a lot of people projected them to go on at least a Final Four run. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, that's uh, that's tough. So um, I'm, I am looking forward to that UCLA-Michigan game, though. Yeah, me too. Um, that's at 10 o'clock tonight, so... I'll definitely turn on the TV when I get home from work tonight. Um, so, do we want to jump over and just talk about the women's tournament for a yeah, couple of minutes? Yeah, definitely, we can do that. I'll let you kind of lead into that. Uh, let me pull up the women's bracket, but while while I'm doing that, I think we need to talk first again about free throw shooting. You sure? Before we get into the controversy of <laughs> Baylor UConn last night, yeah, definitely. There's some controversy there, ladies and gentlemen. I I cannot remember who exactly was at the line, but plays don't happen if you just do things right the first time. You you're not put in a situation where uh, I think it was the Baylor player. I have it written down on my phone here. She missed two free throws. That could have put the game away. Like, not even put, the, uh, not necessarily put the game away, but put them in a position where that last play isn't as, um... It's not as important, not as, as, important. It, as exactly. it should be. Yeah. And I so mean, they're not even in that situation if she makes her free throws. You know, yes. I kind of kind of get, you know, I get where you're going with that. I mean, look, free throws are, you know, I think people get this misconception that they're they're easy because they're not but they're easy if you practice them and you kind of get a rhythm to it and you get your shot form down and it's just free throws are basically about work i mean if you put the work in then you will make free throws and it's all about the fundamentals man Um, i mean so i definitely and even as an ohio state fan ej liddell if he hits one, well, if he hits both free throws, I'll be safe here and say he hits both free throws. Mm-hmm. Um, we we win that game, and we never or, the Oral Roberts story never starts. Yes. So I mean, look, they teams maybe I don't know if they don't practice them enough. I really hope coaches emphasize that free throws are important because they are. We just gave you a bunch of stories and stats about how Alabama lost a game just on free throws. And the was it the Baylor girl last night? Yes. You were just yes. saying. Yep. But um, yeah, man. I just free throws are definitely a huge uh, thing in basketball, college, yep. NBA, every level. And to finish off the whole UConn Baylor game. UConn went on a 21-2 run in the latter half of the third, early part of the fourth quarter there. Yeah. That completely turned the game around. Baylor was up about 10 or 12, mm-hmm. I think. And then that the game gets turned around with the huge run. Becker's played out of her mind. She is, I, I saw Zach Fleer, uh... 270 hoops guy. Best freshman he's ever seen in college basketball, yeah. men's or women's. Yes, and I don't think that's a stretch, man. And people in the comments were like, Brianna Stewart, Zion Williamson. I mean, just, sure. Just, just let the girl get her flowers. Yeah. Like, I don't understand, like, why there's always, like, people on social media, like, no, 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 it's this. Just, yeah. just let the... 
Let the dude make a comment. She's like, awesome. you know, she is great, and she's really good friends with Jalen Suggs. I, you know, watched that story, mm-hmm. and uh, these two talented freshmen, and they're basically on other ends of the country. Yeah, you know, obviously Gonzaga, West Coast, UConn, East Coast. So, you know, she is great, and, um, I mean, UConn is just a factory, man. I mean, it is literally just... They put girls in the WNBA year in, year out. One, two, three pick in the draft. They make it a yearly occurrence. And Gino Ariema, we talked about it the other day. I mean, I was kind of confused for a bit because he wasn't coaching. Then I had to look it up. Apparently he was uh, COVID protocol, so he wasn't allowed to coach. I see. They've made ten straight... Final fours. That's dominance. And I think people like I think people are like, Oh, it's it's women's basketball. Yeah. Why does it matter? I'm like, shut up. That like, is greatness. We are watching greatness. Gino Ariema, chalk him down, yeah. top five coach ever. And that might even be a little I might even be skimping on him, honestly. Like these like like these people are like, Oh, it's women's basketball, who cares? Like, shut up. Like seriously, like like it, they care, yes. and that's what what matters. And I don't know if you saw like the weight rooms. Yeah, that that was a big thing. I mean, like, look, that's sad, man. It that is. that is sad that the NCA let that happen. Like, literally, they had a rack, bro. Like, they had one rack of yep. weights, and that is literally like. Like, how can you let that happen? Like, how can people in the building be like, oh, yeah, they, they get one rack of weights? It's like, seriously? Yeah. And when they, they tried to attribute it to lack of space and all this stuff. And, and then, then the girl, like, like did a panoramic video of, like, there's so much space. So, like, you yeah, know. Get out of here with that crap. Shame on you, yeah. NCAA. And I haven't always been the biggest uh, supporter of women's basketball. And I've probably said some things in the past that I wish that I could take back. But here we are. Talking women's women's basketball on a on a little bit of a platform here. Yeah, I mean they age buckets. Yeah, UConn basketball in the Final Four. Eventually, stuff gets so great that how can we not talk about it? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like like UConn women's basketball is so great. I don't know how like like ten straight Final Fours. If you don't respect that, then what yep. do you respect? Yep. So, yeah, I definitely, you know, we spent, you know, I made sure we carved out some time to talk some women's hoops. Obviously, you know, me and Peyton have been trying to get into women's hoops a little more. So, um, all right, uh, we'll move on to, we'll do a little bit of Ohio State spring ball. So, uh, Ohio State pro days are today. Um, spring ball, obviously, they, uh, I've seen some of the practices. They look pretty good. Yes. Um, obviously, every year they recruit well. And uh, Ryan Day uh, is sending as one of the best college coaches in the country. Yep. Um, so uh, give me – give me. I want you to give me a strength, like a unit of strength of Ohio State football this year and give me a weakness. Well – Man, I wish you would have asked me that previously. That way, I could have thought about it more. I'll lead. I'll lead in. So definitely, the strength I would say is our wide receivers. Um, obviously, Garrett Wilson. Yes. Uh, Smith uh, Najiba is again made that catch last year that turned heads. That was insane. Um, can't forget about Olave. Olave has been a cornerstone of the program for several years. Um, and we just have to like, like Julian Fleming didn't even get to play last year and he's a stud. J 
Scott, you know, obviously he's a stud too. And he hasn't even gotten to play. So, you know, these guys have definitely, um, you know, the wide receiving core, and he's not a wide receiver, but Jeremy Ruckert. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tight end, he... Dude, dude's a baller. I mean, dude is a literal... I mean, he catches everything. Mm-hmm. He has sticky hands. Um, so, definitely for me, uh, Ohio State wide receivers uh, going into... We're in kind of the midst of spring ball would be a strength and a weakness. Um, I would say definitely linebacker. Because, you know, we lost... As our weakness? Yeah. That's exactly where I turned to first. Because we, you know, had some dudes leave. Pete Werner, Tough Borland. And, look, I'm not going to, you know, say I haven't been critical of those guys. But, like... Let's. They were there for a while, and they were big. Like you know, they they stayed for a couple years, and they had experience, and you know, they made plays throughout their time at Ohio State. But now we don't have those guys anymore. And one guy I will be looking for is uh, I think his name is Lejon, like Smith or something like that. I mean, and he's been waiting in the wings at Ohio State for a while, and um, so obviously we recruit well and. I think it is. It's Lejon something. Lejon Cavosos. Yeah, that is a that is a name. So uh, yeah, definitely. Um, Unless it's a different guy. That's what I, I've got here. I've got the the roster pulled up, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, linebacker is definitely the weakness. I think. Um, but again, I, I'll look at I'll look at Ohio State's football football schedule this year, and we'll dissect it a little bit before we go into something else. So I think their schedule already came out. Yeah. Um. So you know we start with. Um. Do you have it pulled up? Yeah. Okay. Oh, not the schedule. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can pull up the schedule. Yeah, I, I have it right here. So we open up on a Thursday night at Minnesota. Yeah. Right out of the gates. Um, we get P.J. Fleck, the fighting P.J. Flex, as you may call him. <laughs> um, so that's going to be um, – that's not going to be easy. No. I mean, no. And then we get the rematch that we – well, not really a rematch, but we didn't get this game last year, the Oregon Ducks. Yes. Um, excited for that game because, you know – that game got canceled last year, and of course people go on social media and it's like, oh, Ohio State's ducking Oregon. I'm like, dude. like At that point, the Pac-12 wasn't even playing football. True. So get out of here with Ohio State trying to duck people. Like, like Ohio what? State's going to run through this schedule. Mm-hmm. Unless they drop some crazy game on the 23rd to Indiana. <laughs> I mean, they've got a little touch stretch there. It's uh, Maryland. Yep. Uh, it's Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Penn State. If they get through that 4-0, they're not losing the rest of the season. They're certainly not dropping a game to Michigan State. Yeah. Purdue always scares me, but it's in Columbus. We so, go to Ann Arbor there in November, late November. I don't. I mean, look, I don't know. I think we can chalk it up as a, uh, an undefeated season right now. We're going to take on an Alabama or Clemson in the national championship. Probably. That's a hot take, probably, but... Hey, that's what we get paid to do, folks. A little a little uncertainty at the quarterback position again. I don't e- know. It's either going to be Jack Miller or CJ Stroud. You know, I'm not saying like we have two good candidates at the two great candidates. And uh whichever one because I I think 
Olave came back because he thought Stroud was going to be the quarterback. And again, why would Olave come back if he didn't have confidence that our quarterback was going to be this great, you know, in the wide receiver class this year, those, uh, what, there's three wide receivers in the top 15 picks. Probably yeah. you've got, uh, you've got the, the great Devonte Smith from Alabama. Yep. You've got Jamar Chase from LSU. And I think there's another one or two guys. Uh, you got Pitts, uh, Pitts from Florida. He's a yeah, tight end. But he's a tight end. You get you get the point. Yeah. Um. I'll move on to my my strengths and weaknesses of this team. This might be this might be a stretch here. Defensive line as a strength. Definitely. Haskell ha- Garrett Haskell returning. Garrett. <clears throat> he played. Uh, great. You got After- Zach Harrison returning. Yeah, Zach Harrison, I'm looking for him to have a breakout year because yeah. I've heard about Zach Harrison for a while and I'm just waiting for him to kind of jump onto the scene. Yep. Um, yep. Zach Harrison definitely D line uh, D line, not a surprise at Ohio State. Nope. Always been a strength. Uh Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, all these guys. It's Sam Hubbard. Um Sam Hubbard. Um it's definitely been a factory. We put guys in the league and they they do good things, you know. Obviously, Chase Young, defensive rookie of the year this yep. past year. And I saw that he was back in camp. Uh, was that yesterday? Yeah. The day before? He, uh, yeah, I think he was coming for Justin Fields Pro oh, Day yeah. today. Makes so, sense. Yep. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, Ohio State. I think, you know, give me a team that's going to stop them in the Big Ten because I don't really see one. I, I don't mean, see it either. I mean, it's it, Ohio State – is a perennial power of the North, as we say, yes. you know what I'm saying? Like, they are, you know, there's kind of like, for me, like how I rank tiers in college football. So, I think Alabama's tier one. Yes. I think Ohio State and Clemson are tier two. And then there's kind of that tier three. Of, that kind of changes year in and year out. Like yeah. It was Auburn there for a little bit. It's been LSU. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, no, exactly. Notre yes. Dame. I feel like Oklahoma's always been in that third tier. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely I see Ohio State running through the Big Ten this year. So uh, I'll lead into um, – we're going to go in NBA trade deadline a little bit. A few moves happen. Um, so – yeah, um, I would say my winners of the NBA trade deadline would be definitely the Bulls. Um, they got Nikola Vucevic, mm-hmm. um, big man out of the Orlando Magic. Um, and then I'll go into my losers of the NBA trade deadline. Definitely the Magic were a loser because they... They are selling like no one's business. They are just giving away guys like it's a um and personally, farmers I market. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, they're they, giving them away for good prices too. Yeah, I mean they are just like their three top scorers, they gave them all away. They yep. were just like here, have it, you know. They're they're definitely rebuilding and they're they're selling. They were definitely sellers. And they got rid of Aaron Gordon, which <laughs> I don't know what people think. I don't think Aaron Gordon is one of the top big men in the league. Like, no, no. He is... He's underachieved a little yes. bit. Yes. I mean, clearly his name is relevant because he has continued to show off highlight reel dunks. Yeah. He'll go for a night where he'll put up like a 35-piece or a 40-piece, and people will talk about him for a couple days. Yeah, so he definitely has the potential, but it seems like his dunks are more talked about than his play. Yes. And, you know, he's a great dunker, obviously, but we got to see that, like turn into an all-around game on the court. Um, so, 
Another winner, I would say, was the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, kind of a little big move at the deadline. They got Rajon Rondo from the Hawks. Um, obviously, Rajon Rondo hasn't had a great year, but you know, I think the rumors that I've heard is he kind of got his money mm-hmm. and then he kind of settled. So not a his worst statistical year actually is this year, but I think he'll definitely be rejuvenated on a new uh, team. And uh, I'll say the kind of one of the losers, this might surprise people, definitely the, uh, I think the Celtics. Like they got Evan Fournier from the Magic, and yeah. he, his first game with the Celtics, he was 0 of 10 in 32 minutes. Yep. I mean, I just don't think – I think Celtics fans kind of get this idea in their head that they're like – they kind of – they get the next best thing. Like, like it's almost like they always, when they trade for people or they do free agent moves, they always get the next best thing. Yeah. And I'm kind of like – like, like shouldn't – you're a big brand, right? Yeah. Celtics are a huge brand. Shouldn't you get the best thing? Yep. Like, you know, the, I, I remember when Celtics fans went on Twitter and they were like, oh, we're going to get Anthony Davis and we're going to pair him with Jason Tatum. And it's like, no, you got Evan Fournier and you got... Um, and you dealt away Gordon Hayward. You no longer have Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the Celtics are kind of in this weird holding pattern where it's almost like they have young talent but they don't have they kind of want to pair these weird veteran guards to kind of help develop the young talent and you know obviously they're they're not like they don't have a good record this year no, they're uh, they are not very good and that is why Brad Stevens is being thrown around for a Indiana University college job IU yep like obviously they ended up getting Mike Woodson Thad Mata's going to be on that staff somewhere. Yeah, that kind of made me sad. I don't know. But as an Ohio State guy, kind of just, I love Thad Mata. So it's kind of weird seeing him go somewhere else. Another sleeper for the um, trade deadline, and it's actually a team that didn't make really any splash at all, was the Toronto Raptors. Mm -hmm. They were looking to maybe sell off uh, Kyle Lowry. All-star point guard has been instrumental in the success of the Raptors He's here in the last couple of years. Maybe the he best is a maybe the best player in their franchise history, people oh, might say. Yes, yes. And another team that I think you could say that has made a little splash, the Dallas Mavericks. JJ Redick. Locking up JJ Redick. He's one of those guys. I think he's been on every team in the league. <laughs> I'm a yep. big J.J. Reddick guy, fellow podcaster, looking to have him on here shortly. Yeah, we're definitely going to get him on, get him a seat here. Uh, yeah, but uh, J.J., uh, I think it's he's got a nice podcast. I forget the name. It's called, like, uh, I'll look it up. Uh, I, we got to shout you out, JJ. We got to give you a shout out on <laughs> but that. But it, it's like they went from one small little white point guard in JJ Barea, who they ended up buying out, and JJ's living a nice, a nice life now. Whoa, they're both named JJ. That's weird. Yeah. JJ Barea. Now you they're swapped, with JJ Reddick. You swapped one JJ for another JJ. And it's not like they're going to, I don't know, four, five, six seed maybe in that Western Conference. The Luka Doncic is a game changer. Oh, but definitely. No one's beating the Lakers in the West. You really? You think so? Yeah. I, there is no. There's no chance. The Lakers picked up Andre Drummond. Good little pickup for them. Who is a a hoss? 
when I was quarantined over um, Christmas break and the, the, the season was really kicking off, yeah. I got to watch a good chunk of Andre Drummond play for the Cavaliers, and he is a man. Oh, yeah, he is a man amongst boys. Um, he, he'll he add rebounding to the Lakers, kind of similar to what Dwight Howard did for them last year. But um, so, look, I mean, you know, I read this today, and I've done this on the podcast before, where, like, you know, teams are, like, you know, because Nets got LaMarcus Aldridge. Yes. Teams are literally doing this literally to to beat the Lakers. Can yes. like we agree on that like they are doing this to beat LeBron. Yeah. Like they don't like I feel like NBA players and teams and GMs are like, look, he's still playing at an elite level in year. He's still the best player in the league. Yeah, and you he- can't tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. You can throw out KD. Yada yada, I don't care. You can throw out Giannis, you can throw out Embiid. Throughout Doncic, I don't care. LeBron James is the best player in the league, will be the best player in the league until we say otherwise. I mean, literally in, you know, year 18, and he's still averaging, like, his, like, almost prime numbers. Yes. Like, 25, 8, and 8, and people, like, that's nothing to slouch at. Like, literally, that's, like, nobody is doing this, and... You know, I've done episodes before where I touch on the greatness of LeBron, but it's almost like UConn, like what I said earlier in the show. It's too great not to talk about. Yes. Like, and, you know, I, you know, don't give me Giannis. And, like, like, I'm sorry, but until Giannis achieves postseason success, either that's getting to a finals or winning a championship, don't put him in the same conversation no. with LeBron. So, and he's a great player. That's he, not what we're saying, folks. You know, he is a great player. He is physically dominant. I mean, he's, he's got to work on shooting the basketball, knocking down free throws. We've talked about this like four times now. Yeah, he is not. Uh, no, they are not the same. He's a two-time MVP. I'm not trying. This is not a anti Giannis statement. No, this is a pro LeBron statement yes. and the greatness of LeBron. Giannis is still a top five player, but yeah, LeBron is definitely. I mean, he is definitely just different breed, man. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, we're getting to the end of the show. Um, thank you for sitting with us today and hearing us rant about all kinds of things like free throw shooting and the greatness of LeBron James. Um, our goal this week uh, will be 30 plays this week. Seems like a good goal. Um, signing off here on a Tuesday. Um, thank you, Peyton, for coming and kicking it with me. It. Yep. Appreciate it for sure. Yep, no problem. Um, all right, guys, have a great rest of your week.